0: I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I was going to talk about Bad Boys 3, but I'm not going to do that now. Instead, I'm going to talk about the Netflix three-part miniseries, Killer Inside, Inside the Mind of Her- Aaron Hernandez. All right, so like I said, I was good. I set it all up at last episode that I was going to talk about bad boys three. And then I watched the Netflix documentary about Aunt Aaron Hernandez and changed my mind instantly. Um, but so I'll, I'll talk about bad boys three real quick. Um, it was cute. It was a good end. Although it's clear the way it ended, it feels like there's going to be a new beginning, but I'll go to that later. Um, the characters have evolved. They're older now. um, I will share some tidbits of it because the movie has been out long enough at this point um, to where you should have seen it or bootlegged it or something at this point. But um, yeah, the the Will Smith and, and um, Martin Lawrence's characters are older and they are evolving. Um, what we know is Will Smith still trying to be this playboy, but there's still some. He's he's mellowing. He's not as hardcore as he likes to make himself out to be. And there's a reason for it. We learn more about the reason later. Um, there's, there's an instance that happened early on in his career that made him into this image that he created for himself, right? But we know that what we find in this movie that it really is more of an image than we ever thought. Um, and there's a, there's a very specific why behind it. Um, and as a result of that why... Something else comes out that we learn about Marcus, but I'll get to that in a second, too. Marcus, I think is his character, Will Smith's character. But um, yeah, we know that Martin Lawrence's character, whose name I've forgotten. um, He's older and he's ready to retire. His daughter is um, moving on with her life. She's growing. She's pregnant. She's in a relationship with um, this little boy that I don't remember from previous Movies, but apparently he was in previous movies, and now he's grown now, and all of that stuff. And everybody laughed when he came on screen because he's like, "Oh, he's grown now." And and you saw Martin Lawrence's reaction to him being grown. And I'm just like, oh, "Okay, cool." But like, of course, there's still a lot of shoot 'em up, bang bang. And there's a Griselda type, Griselda Blanco type woman uh character who's in this film that has a tie to Marcus and uh, Will Smith's character, and we learn all about that tie later. Um, but even in like, so there's this thing that happens, of course, there's always somebody that's after Marcus and, and, and Martin Lawrence's character. Right. And so early on, something happens to Marcus and, you know, because of that, uh, Martin Lawrence's character threatens to retire. No, not threatens, does retire because, you know, in, in bad boys too, he was like, I'm done with this. Or was it Bad Boys One? I'm done. I can't call it, but he's been threatening to retire for like No, it was Bad Boys Two. Um, he's been threatening to retire for a minute. Because he's over it. Because there's a lot of emotional drama and stress. And even though he'll miss the action, he he won't not miss fearing for his life or the life of his partner or the people that he's working with. And then, of course, because these are two old guys, of course, they inject young people into it. Um, And it just feels like the actors themselves have influenced the evolution of these characters. And I'm not just saying that they've they've taken a different approach to these characters. I'm literally saying that both of these characters talked to the writers room and they and they collaborated on some points, especially Will Smith. For real, Will Smith's character. Again, he's supposed to be this playboy. But there's this twist that comes out that Will Smith, hes he's been a bachelor for years, right? Decades even, right? And he's prided himself on being a bachelor. It comes out in this film that, without spoiling it too much, that Will Smith has a son. And his son is in his 20s, right? Clearly he's in his 20s. And it's a connection to his past when he first became a uh, involved in the police force, right? And some things that he did when he was first a young officer are now coming home to roost. Those those eggs that he laid then are coming home to roost um, in the form of these broken relationships. And so he's he's coming to terms with those. And I think uh, there are big ways and small ways. So the big ways that Will Smith, I think, influenced the characters is his reaction to these these chickens coming home to roost right but then the small ways is his relationship with how he portrays his relationship with with uh, martin lawrence his, lawrence's character the care that he shows for not only martin lawrence even though he's supposed to be this tough guy but then also martin lawrence's wife and the family right again he's supposed to be this aloof kind of tough guy but he's clear that he's got a heart he's got this heart for the family that he also considers to be his family he cares very deeply for them And anyway, so and I just can't help but feel like that was influenced by Martin or by uh, Will Smith, the person, because what we know is that even if you don't follow Will Smith on Instagram or any social media platforms, if you've been online, if you've been on the Internet, if you've been on social media at any point in the last decade, you've seen one of Will Smith's funny videos where he's making fun of himself, bungee jumping and, and saying the last line of his character in uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or, uh, you know, dyeing his hair like his son and dressing like his son and mocking his son, um, one of his son's videos, right? Or literally just outright mocking his son. um, He he and his his son is in on the joke and they're shooting this commercial for one of uh, his son Jaden's... Charity things, right? Just make it fun, but also, duh, advertisement. Anyway. Oh, excuse me. Oh, had to yawn, my bad. Anyway, um, so yeah, so you see the dynamic, right? You see him being funny and you see him being family oriented, right? But then there was one video that I saw kind of talked about Will's evolution, which is why I think he had a lot to do with how human and more evolved his character on uh, Bad Boys Three is. There was a clip that came out, and I think it was like one of those barbershop series where he was online. He was either he was either on the phone talking to these guys that was in barbershop, um, or in person with him. And anyway, the barbershop side note: the barbershop series is, I think, it's a LeBron James production sort of thing, and it and it plays on a lot of. It, it plays on this culture in the black community where a lot of our our water cool cooler talk tends to happen as a as a community tends to happen when we go get our hair done um when we go to the barbershop to get our fade or whatever or when we go to the hair salon to get you know some braids do you know what I mean like we it, it, that's where a lot of interesting communal uh cooler talk water cooler talk happens right in the black community and so many people have tried over the years and i think lebron is getting a little bit closer with his production company but they have this barbershop type series that isn't super regular comes out whenever lebron james feels like it um but anyway i feel like will smith had called into that show at some point it was a part of that show and he told the story about how he learned something from his daughter willow when she was 9 or 10 um, and the story goes like this, that they were on tour for Willow's, uh, on tour with, uh, Sean Combs for following the monster success. That was, uh, with my hair back and forth. You remember, uh, Willow's little, that cute little song. I Whip my hair back and forth. I whip my hair back and forth. Um, you remember that song anyway. Um, so they were on tour and I think they were somewhere in Europe and maybe it was like the second or third le- piece, uh, the third concert in the tour. Um, and it was scheduled to go on for many more months. And after this particular, after a show, maybe maybe the second or third show, Willow comes to her daddy and says, you know, I'm ready. I'm done. I think I'm done. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm ready to go home. And Will uh, being, you know, Will and Jada, you know, over the years, I've talked very openly about how they've been more open and tried to be better parents, good parents, not better, but parents that were open and allowed their kids to evolve in the way that they needed to evolve and grow and make their own decisions, but guide them as in their decision making but not make those decisions for them decisions for them and anyway, so you know this is this is willow expressing. Herself saying, you know, I think I'm done with this tour. And then Will comes back and says, oh, no, well, there's still more of legs of the tour to go. We we made an obligation. We have an obligation to Mr. Combs that we need to keep. And so, you know, they, the conversation is done. They're not arguing. The conversation is done. The next morning or so, there's a time, a little time passes, but it's not more than a few hours. Will sees Willow. And she cut off all of her hair. Now, the tour was called that she was on tour for her song. I whip my hair back and forth. What you whipping? What you whipping back and forth if you bald? What you whipping back and forth if you bald headed? In that moment, Will said, oh, got you. You taught me a very valuable lesson. She said she was ready to go. She was ready to go. And the reality of it is, we make commitments, it's true, and we must honor them. But if and when our, sol- our well-being is in play, clearly she was no longer comfortable being on that tour. Regardless of the obligation, Hey, is what it is. I forfeit the rest of that money. Is what it is. I'm not going to do this no more. We don't often exercise the, the right that we have. Our God-given right to say yes or no. Because of, you know, how we might be perceived or whatever. We don't, as adults, often honor or exercise that right to say no for our own well-being. But we teach our kids to do that all the time. We teach our kids to set boundaries and to maintain them. She had, she was at her boundary. She was at her boundary and wanted to leave that to her. She no longer, she'd done what she wanted to do. She wanted to do something else. Can't get mad at her. You can't, you cannot get mad at her. We teach her, we teach our kids to be self-reliant. We teach our kids to, 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 um, stand up for ourselves. Well, that was her standing up for herself. What are you going to do? Then give her a counter message saying, stand up for, your, for yourself, but only if you're not breaking an obligation. It doesn't make any sense. So anyway, he shared that in this table talk or not table talk. Jada has the round red table talk, but, um, he shared this in, LeBron's, uh, the barbershop series in this particular episode, and he framed it as Willow taught me something as a parent. And I thought that was so good. Not that, oh, I was so angry and I punished her, but oh, she taught me something. She reminded me of what I'd been teaching her. And that was the, the, the lesson in practice. And she passed and I need some work. And anyway, so the again, I guess going back to the film, I think I think the person that Will Smith has become influenced the evolution of Marcus, the character and and how he evolved, even though he's still portraying himself to be this playboy. It is an act. And we come to know that it's an act at the end of the film and we know why it's an act. Without spoiling too much, it's an act that someone else suggested he put on. And he would followed it ever since. And so anyway, you should watch the film because it's really, really, really good. And anyway, it was so good that I really wanted to talk about it. But then I couldn't talk about it because it I couldn't talk about it at length. I was going to tease it out and everything. Talk about how I had a problem uh, with envisioning what they wanted me to imagine in a, in a particular relationship, Will Smith, Bill Smith's character has a son and he meets his son under some weird circumstances, which you'll know later. Um, his son looks nothing like him. And I know it's a movie. It's just, it's just a movie, but like, you couldn't even, the son is cute, right? He's in his late twenties. The son is cute and handsome. Like Will is cute and handsome, but like, that is where the comparisons end as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look at it again or look at some stills from the film again, just to see if there's a, more of a resemblance than I saw in the movie. But like, he just can't be cute. And that's enough. Like, what? Anyway, um, like you gotta, you gotta see your resemblance. And I didn't, I didn't see a resemblance and that got on my nerves, but not enough for me not to like the film. But anyway, um, So, but yeah, so I was going to, there was plenty of things that I could have teased out because the film was really good. And like I said, there's going, it feels like the way this movie ended, that there's going to be like a spinoff and it's going to feature, um, Marcus, Marcus's kid with cameos from, um, Marcus and, uh, Marlon Lawrence's character for sure, because that's kind of how the way they made it seem, um. And I'm here for, it, cause I I'll watch it, cause I love a good bang bang shoot 'em up. I do, and and pretty faces. Oh, I love that. Mm hmm. I love all of that. So, um, yeah, I'm quite sure there's gonna be a spinoff in the next couple of years, um, or if they're if they're smart next year, um, with Will and and uh, with with Will and Martin Lawrence a part of the press tour, um, if they're smart. Anyway. Um, so yeah, but I was going to tease it out, but then I broke down and saw the Netflix documentary, um, killer inside In the mind of Aaron Hernandez. I, bro- I I say I broke down because I had no intention of watching it, no intention of watching it because I thought the story was done. I thought the story had been told. There were enough salacious you know, news reports about it. Enough fodder on Twitter. We'd gone back and forth. I thought I'd heard enough. And I don't even know why I broke down and watched it, to be honest with you. I think I just, I just, I just did. And in doing so, I came to know that there's way more to the story than I thought. And and, and now don't get me wrong, I'll get into this later, but I do not like how the documentary, the, the, the people who created this miniseries, limited series, as, they, as Netflix called it. I do not like how they approach certain things. Um, and I'll get into that. But they certainly did illuminate, um, shed light on this thing for me. Um, I thought I knew the story. I didn't know the story. I thought I knew the NFL was a business. I didn't really understand how much of a business they were. But then I was reminded because of the incident that happened with Ray Rice. I will never forget it. Ray Rice, um, a running back, a football player for the Ravens. And that that tape, he was caught on tape abusing his soon to be wife at that time, fiance. I should have known then how much of a business the NFL was. But I'm reminded now through this mini series, limited series, that truly how much of a business and how heartless the NFL is. Um, and I'll get into that. But there's beyond that, illuminating those things for me or kind of find, uh, putting a fine point on what the NFL is as an organization, as a business but then the other piece is that there is more to the person and Hernandez and the grief and the trauma that he endured, which is not an excuse, but there's more to the story. And so in this, this, so this episode, I want to, I won't talk about every aspect of the, the documentary, but I will talk about some major highlights and the ways I think the people who made this miniseries were insensitive. But nevertheless, the topic still needed to be broached. So again I won't talk about everything. Um every fine point that the um Netflix uh limited series talked about with Aaron Hernandez, but I will talk about the things that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I'm going to start at the end. So, or at least the end of his football career. So the off season of 2013, Aaron Hernandez is arrested. Everybody remembers the picture where he was pulled out. He was taken out of his home in some shorts and a t shirt over him with his hand cu- hands cuffed behind his back, right? And he's charged in connection with the uh death of Odin Lloyd, who was allegedly his friend, who was found um murdered in a not a landfill, but it was basically a a place where dirt was being dumped or there was going to be building there, not very far from Aaron Hernandez's mansion in Connecticut. Um, And so everybody's shocked, you know, the, the Patriots are shocked and, and everybody's like, what, what? And all of this stuff. And I'm just like, oof. And at the time, I think my sentiment was Oh boy, the shiny, the shiny football club that everybody says, you know, is just so perfect. Oh, it's saying so perfect. You got, you got one of your brown stars because you know how football, come on, you know how sports teams like to do. They like to parade around, at least on football, like to parade around their brown, um, their brown stars and stuff like that. They're not very subtle with their attempt to try to be, um, be down, but at the same time, really propping up their brown people. Come on, let's be clear. Anyway, um, because they're, they treat them as props and all athletes, I don't know. Anyway, the, the NFL is not very kind to their athletes, even though they give them money. Money isn't kindness, honey. Anyway, uh, money is payment for services. <laughs> anyway, um, so so at the time, I was just like, i was trying to be a, a good Ravens fan. You know, I'm fickle. I was, but I was trying. OK, I was trying to be a Ravens fan and I was just like, oh, see this nice, shiny team that y'all like to prop up so much. They don't have somebody so shiny. One of your brown, one of your brown stars. Uh Oh, better get it together. Um, Anyway, that was my attitude. At the time, I wasn't thinking of the horrific crime he was charged with. I didn't know any of the details of the crime itself. Um, but I guess my. How could I put this? I was jaded because I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. This guy had problems, but y'all were covering up because he was performing well for you. And I had that mindset because flashback. Was it? No, no, I had that. I had that mindset because I'm Ray Lewis. I came in and it wasn't Super Bowl year. I came into Baltimore having heard the Ray Lewis story, having heard that he was down at the club in Florida, because I think that's where he's from, and some stuff had transpired and somebody got shot to death. And Ray Lewis was around, right? So I'm just like, oh, but everybody loves him in Baltimore. Nobody talks about that except everybody outside of Baltimore, when they want to talk about hating the Ravens, they talk about Ray Lewis and the stuff that's with him, this cloud that's over him. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, protect your own. You know what I mean? And at that point, I had been, I knew enough to know that athletes, there was a culture around athletes because I had seen it at college. There was a culture around athletes that they were protected from reaping the consequences of some of their bad behavior, um, reckless behavior. And so I was a little desensitized, and I will admit that now. I couldn't admit it at the time. But again, I was a little detached from what Ray Rice was accused of being party to because I just didn't bother to understand the details of the case right? And so that was kind of my, that wasn't kind of, that was my approach to Aaron Hernandez being arrested in connection with the murder of one of his friends. And so I, but I didn't bother to understand the facts of the case. And I kind of just stayed detached in that way. And then flash forward a year, a year later, and again, I'm not connected. I just, I I know that I don't like the Patriots. Just because I just don't like the image. I don't like how they're purported to be this nice, shiny team. And I'm like, but every football team, every you mean to tell me you got all of these people who are starters and not starters, folks that are riding the bench and coaches and things like that. And none of them, everybody is shiny and, and, and perfect. Right. Nobody does anything. on Nobody, nobody. Everyone is above reproach. Or they don't require reproach they don't require um being got getting getting, put in, uh being called out being reprimanded for anything like everybody's everybody's doing what they're supposed to do right paying their taxes treating everybody as they should, they want to be treated and all of that right no no misogyny no no uh cheating around none of that right everybody's good right extra drug you know drug use or whatever none of that right Anyway, so I'm like, OK, well, y'all got a black mark on y'all's team now. So mm, can't just talk about the Ravens, every football team, every professional football team has something with them. That was my approach. Flash forward a year. And so, you know, the off season is like March, April, May sometime. And I think Aaron, excuse me, I think Aaron Hernandez was like, um, maybe he was arrested like early summer or something like that uh, in 2013 offseason. But that, so flash forward a year, not even, excuse me, not even a year later. It was like March, 2014. The Ravens again are in the news. Why? Because Ray Rice, a different Ray, Ray Rice was caught on tape, abusing very violently his wife, his fiance at the time. And then dragging her out of the elevator because she couldn't pull herself out herself. She was unconscious. Pulling, he pulled her unconscious body out of the elevator because he had abused her in the elevator. Everybody knows, see, has seen that tape? You could probably Google it right now. I don't recommend it. It's, gr- it's brutal. Um, and I won't go into the details of that anymore. But Google is free. Anyway. Um, and at that point, I started to look into the facts of the case right i started looking in be- i started looking beyond just the soup the surface because i started with the fact and it was the tape i saw it like everybody else and i saw it on social media like everybody else i think i was i wasn't on twitter like that at the time so i must have seen it on facebook because you know how facebook how messy people are on facebook i mean they're messy on twitter too it's just ugh i guess because of the way i use facebook i just in that I use Facebook to connect with family members, distant family members, and classmates. We don't always have a lot in common, right? Other than our blood or that particular circumstance that we graduated together, right? And so that means y'all probably are moved by different things and you don't think of things the way I do. And so a lot of people that I was friends with on Facebook shared That's elevator, infamous elevator video, ad nauseum. I must have seen it like a million different ways. And so I, I saw it first on Facebook. And so I started with the facts of the case, which was clearly Ray Rice assaulted his wife. And then drug her unconscious body out of the elevator. They were arrested back in March, but the video itself didn't surface until what? Weeks later? Maybe a couple of months, maybe April is when the video resurfaced. They were arrested back in March, right, for the incident. But the video itself, and when the ire came and everybody was like, what? That surfaced like a month, two months later. And that's when it occurred to me. That leagues and football teams go to great lengths to know about their players, to know everything about their players, to be the first to know about an incident, a negative incident that happened so they can get ahead of the story. What I came to believe, whatever shiny facade that was still left of the NFL went away following that Ray Rice case in that the timing was off for me. The suspension was off for me. The punishment was off for me rather than being booted from the league. He was initially Ray Rice suspended two games. The the first two games in the season. You assaulted your wife to unconsciousness and then drug her body out of the the elevator because you knew you needed to get out of the elevator. And your suspension from the league, from your job, was two games. And then after the backlash, Roger Goodell, which was at the time the commissioner, he's still the commissioner, um, said, oh, yeah, you know, I got this wrong. And so, the, you know, the Ravens then let, released Ray Lewis, Ray Rice, Rice, released Ray Rice. Right. Talking about it was the right thing to do. I'm like, what are you talking about? You knew back in March. Y'all knew when that incident happened. Y'all were the, one of the first to hear about this incident. Y'all knew. Y'all knew then. What you talking about? Why are you releasing him now? You should have released him back in March when you knew about it. Right? But that didn't happen. You waited until the public outrage, you ready to check that public outrage, see what Roger Goodell was talking about, what he was going to do. And then you rendered your verdict. That's when the shiny facade fell off for me. And it took a minute. It should have been off before that. But I just didn't bother to pay attention closer to that than at that point. because And the reason why I paid attention to it was why. Because I I shared a couple of episodes. My aunt was involved in a very brutal domestic violence situation. I shared that. And it wasn't even she that she was a bystander. She wasn't even the target. And so that's why it hit home for me. And it took that incident, that brutal incident to hit it home for me that, oh, the NFL is just a business and they're trying to protect their interests. They know, they know what's going on with these players, but as long as they produce, if they can get away with it, what doesn't matter? Just don't do it again. Is the mentality. Right. So did that, that, that make me go back and look at Aaron Hernandez's case? No, I was done with it. That wasn't the cl- see at that point, And then that's when I became fully fickle again. I'd always been a fickle fan, but I was really fickle then because all is not what it appears. And all of this fake patriotism, this oh, we're about families and we're really about the player. No, you're not. You about the player performing at their peak to earn your club some money. OK, let it not let us not get it twisted. Let's be clear, because if you really cared, enough of these bums would be out of there because, you know, everything about them. You know what they have done. And the minute it happens, you know what they did. Because that's your business to know. And so. Going back to this document, this mini, this limited series. Aaron Hernandez is arrested. Sometime in the early summer of 2013 and the offseason of the 2013 offseason. Whatever. um, Goes on trial. Next year. He's put on trial for the death of, of Odin Lloyd, who was his friend. Who was in the semi pro league in his town, who he knew. Before he went pro, who dated his fiance, Cheyenne? Odin Lloyd dated her, his sister, her, his, her sister. Okay, so let me say it again. So, Aaron Hernandez, his fiance is Cheyenne Jenkins. Cheyenne Jenkins' sister, whose name I've forgotten, was dating Odin Lloyd. He was convicted and found he was convicted of killing Odin Lloyd. You killed your fiance's your soon to be sister in law's boyfriend. Why was that? and what led to that? The documentary itself alleges a lot of things a lot of things. but the main things that come out is that number one, this is what this was not um. Aaron Hernandez's first serious uh, crime, that he had committed serious crimes before. And in fact, it alleges that he had been committing serious crimes since he was in college at Florida. Um, What is it, the Gators? Mm -hmm. That he had been committing serious crimes since he was in Florida, that he had used guns to settle disputes and that before the start of the what was it? So before the start of his debut in 2010 with the Patriots, that 2010 2011 season, that he had shot um somebody in Florida, but that that person never because he got a bar a bar owner the manager of a bar. He had shot him in Florida, but nobody ever pressed charges. And so he's drafted and he goes into the 2010-2011 season and he's shaking and moving. And then he commits. Sorry, my phone. My work phone is not on silent. Um, and I should have had it on silent. So that's what that ding is. Um, so he goes. So he goes into the 2010-2011 season having shot somebody, but they lived and they didn't press charges, and so they move on. Maybe he paid him off, and then he moves on, plays well, gets his first game, you know, first season under his belt, gets into some more trouble before the 2012- 2013 football season. It's alleged that he Ha- after having gotten into a small altercation, a very small altercation, as the, as the uh, limited series um, suggests, that Hernandez murdered in drive-by style Daniel Di and, Abreu and Ser, Safiro, Safiro Furtado, shot him up in a car and then went and played the uh, uh, 2011-2012 football season where they won the Super Bowl, right? Um, But then after that, it's alleged that he shot somebody else who was his close acquaintance, who was also, who was, long story short, the documentary alleges that he used a gun and either killed three, so alleges that it killed three people, one of which he was um, indicted for, and, uh, excuse me, not, uh, not just indicted, but he was convicted for, which was Olden Lloyd, and two, that he was acquitted for, but the evidence showed that he definitely was involved somehow and that one person he he but that he shot two others one of which did not want to press charges because he wanted his own get back so lots and lots of violence around Aaron Hernandez but why why the violence why the quick temper why 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 the short fuse and much and and also why did the patriots he was alleged to have shot some people, shot a person at Florida. He was alleged to have gone in the fourth round because of all of the trouble that was surrounding him. Right. It, it came out that Aaron Hernandez asked to be transferred, asked Bill Belichick to be transferred um, f- to another team across country. Um, ahead of the 2012-2013 uh, no, ahead of the 2011-2012 season no, 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 not ahead of it not ahead of it uh, during, but before going into the 2012-2013 season no, the 2013-2014 season he wanted to be traded but that didn't happen um, Belichick refused. And, you no, know, I I'm getting the timing wrong. He wanted to be traded after his rookie season. After his first year, he wanted to be traded. But Belichick wouldn't, wouldn't go for it, wouldn't G for it. So, um, there's a lot of blame being thrown around. Part of the blame is being thrown at, in this docuseries, being thrown at, um, NFL itself, because the NFL and the Florida, Florida state, because, um, they knew that Aaron Hernandez was going through some things and that they could have been there to support him better and that they could have, they could have released him or gotten him some help, but instead they chose to kind of coddle him and give him everything they need. He needed and cover things up, which only escalated the situation. So that's one, that's one piece. The other the other party that is the the other party that is receiving blame is his father and mother. Um it's alleged that his father was heavily ab- abusive, even Aaron Hernandez's brother uh said that his father was abusive, even abusive to his mother, their mother, um, and to both of them. And that, that contributed to Aaron Hernandez being um the way he turned out to be. Then there was another piece that was blamed on Aaron himself, alleging that he was a gay man and he was perpetrating a fraud. Um, yeah. And I just, this is where I, I fall into, I think that the people who put on this miniseries was, was this limited series um, were messy because they literally they, they pull people out, especially former teammates and high school friends who were willing to talk about their own closeted behavior and what they did, what they did to cover up their their sexuality um, and that they identified as gay. And so Aaron did, too. And that was that. Right. I guess my problem with that is we don't know if Aaron was gay. We know that Aaron was definitely bi. We also don't know. We know from what other people said around him after his death that Aaron was mad all the time, angry all the time. He even said he was angry all the time because he's gay, but that he doesn't like he didn't like the fact that he was gay. And so to, comp- to overcompensate and throw folks off of his trail, he tattooed himself up a lot and hung around thugs all the time um, to be, seem like a macho man. And that the documentary itself alleges that the reason why, a reason that Odin Lloyd probably became a target to Aaron Hernandez was because Odin Lloyd found him in a compromising situation. Now we don't know if that's true or not, but what we do know is that based on the tapes, the videotapes that Aaron Hernandez was not careful at all and that he was clearly upset at one point a couple of days before a couple of days to a week before Odin Lloyd's death. He was mad at Odin Lloyd. And then out of the blue, he, one day, the night of his murder, the morning of his murder, rather, um, Aaron Hernandez texts to meet up with Oden Lloyd. And that he's seen picking up Oden Lloyd with two people in the car and that we know that there were three people in the car at one point. They drive to this particular site where Oden Lloyd's body was found. And then the car comes back to um, Aaron Hernandez's house and there are now three people in the car, not four. And that there's footage from Aaron Hernandez's own security camera that shows the three of them, uh, including two of the people that were alleged to be 'er ne'er-do-wells and were a part of allegedly taking Odin Lloyd's life. They were hanging out at the house and playing with Aaron Hernandez's child after they had committed the crime. And then he saw them home. He saw them. He waved goodbye to them leaving his front, front porch or his, his driveway. It's clear, he, it's clear he took part in killing Odin Lloyd. We don't know why, but we know that he did. We don't know what happened in the deaths of Abreu and Furtado. We know that Aaron Hernandez was in the scene. We don't know why. The the miniseries alleges that he had a short fuse. It also alleges that he had a short fuse just in general because of CTE and the brain damage. That his brain was, that when his, at the time of the autopsy, at least of, of the brain, his brain had damage and aging as if he were a much older person, like in his 50s, 60s like a much older person, not a 27-year-old. That was how old Aaron Hernandez was at the time of his death, 27 years old in 2017. Getting back to the NFL. The documentary does not go far enough, in my opinion, about placing blame at the NFL and what they knew The NFL knew about the gun incidents in Florida. The NFL knew about um, all of the incidences, his short fuse. That's why he went fourth. That's why he went in the fourth round. Because football clubs knew about him. Florida knew about him. The Gators, they knew about him. And everybody everybody was acting like, oh, they're so shocked talking to the Urban Meyer's wife, Urban Meyer himself, talking about how shocked they were that Aaron Hernandez turned out the way that they did and that they didn't like it when he went home because they knew the bad influences were at home. And yet he was drafted. They wanted him to be drafted anywhere but back in Massachusetts. And yet there he was, New England Patriots back there. You mean to tell me there was at no point that you, Urban Meyer, and your people I don't know that he, what he did, but I don't know what Urban Meyer and that football club did. All I know is you mean to tell me that there was no guidance that they could provide to that team? You mean to tell me that they didn't provide guidance and that somehow the Patriots and all the money that they have and all the ability, they have to investigate things. Now, remember, remember I told you the 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 veneer was completely gone when i learned that ray rice going back to ray rice he was arrested he and his wife were, were arrested for the altercation that happened in that casino back in march but that the ravens didn't release him until well into the season like the, fir- the september they knew but they were waiting right they were waiting To see how everything would shake out. So you mean to tell me that it was not possible. That the Patriots didn't also know that he had a lot of heavy stuff with him. But as long as it didn't surface to the light, it was going to be cool. And they were just going to play the game. And then it was only until he was arrested that they released him. They knew what trouble that they had brewing. They also knew. In Aaron Hernandez, they also knew. That he played very well and that as long as that stuff didn't bubble up to the surface, this is about business. This ain't about your personal life. Leave your personal outside and don't bring it to the football club. And then just going back to Aaron Hernandez himself and and how they handled the sexuality, I think they did that in a very callous way. I think the NFL is homophobic. I think sports in themselves is homophobic. I think the reason why you don't have many athletes who come out in there during the height of their professional career is because they they will suffer backlash. And they really will, because these sports are homophobic. They're trying to even even more than homophobic. They're about money. They're about making that dollar. and They're trying to project a certain image. And your personal life, how you how you. Who you are has no bearing on what we want people to think you are because we want to make this money, right? And so I just can't believe, I don't believe that the football club, the Patriot football club could not have handled this thing differently. I know they could have. But it was about business, same as the Ravens could have handled the Ray Rice things differently. They didn't. It's about that loot. It's about that money. It's about perception. As long as the perception of who you are isn't changed, I'm not going to rock the boat. But that as it relates to his his sexuality, (sighs) trying to hide who you are can make you do a lot of weird things, dangerous things even. I think there I think, though, they this documentary put more emphasis on him trying to project who he wanted to be and not be gay and less about the drama, the trauma that he endured at the hands of his father and the trauma that he endured as a football player. How many times he was knocked out. I think they didn't spend a lot of time talking about that. They spent time in the documentary talking about that, but not enough, not more than his sexuality. And they allege the reason why that he, quote unquote, hung himself. Because again, Cheyenne, his fiance, claims and believes, probably until this day, that he did not hang himself, that he was murdered. But that the documentary alleges that he could have hung himself. He hung himself because in the trial for Abriu and for the murders of Abriu and uh, Furtado, that the prosecution was going to call to light as a method for his as a motive for those killings that he had a short temper and fuse and he wanted to be a tough guy all the time because he was closeted gay man. He was a closeted gay man. And that the lawyer for his first trial was in fact a gay man himself, and that he has alleged that according to the miniseries that and even he even said it, that Aaron Hernandez was a gay man and he was tormented. But I don't think that was all to it. Like that wasn't all to him. He was dealing with a lot of trauma and having to hide who he was, was a piece of that trauma. But you cannot ignore the serious brain injuries that he incurred the trauma, the physical abuse that he witnessed in his mother being attacked by his father and then being abused himself. Hiding his, who, his sexuality was a piece of that nasty puzzle. That was the trauma that he endured. Not the puzzle, like this documentary wants to claim. And again, we don't know if he was gay. We know he was bi. We know he, we, we know he had sexual relationships with men and, and women. We know he had a short temper. We know he had... We know he suffered... We also know that he made a lot of people suffer. He ruined a lot of families too. And I think the other piece that is not really talked about, but it was as a periphery, it was kind of on the side, was the ruined relationship between Shayana and her sister. Again, Shayana's sister was the girlfriend of Odin Lloyd, who was supposed to be Aaron Hernandez's friend. And of course, during the trial... Those two sisters were torn completely apart. Two sisters who had one point been close, and you knew that they were close because they both dated football players, and that football was a part of their life. And it's no surprise that they were friends. They were friends because of the relationship. Odin and her and Hernandez were friends because of the relationship between Cheyenne and her sister. That's pretty clear. And so you've got the Jenkins family torn apart between two sisters. You've got the Hernandez family torn apart because between the son, his surviving, Aaron Hernandez, his brother, and the mother, right? Father's long gone. Arguably, a a lot of Aaron's trouble began, his serious trouble began at the death of his father. Then you've got the families, the whole families of Abreu and Furtado, whose family, Aaron Hernandez was not convicted. He was acquitted of that crime. So they still do not have justice, those two families. And then it's Oden Lloyd's family. Oden Lloyd is gone. Their family did get justice. Aaron Hernandez was convicted. But he's still gone. And I think this documentary doesn't do a good enough job of spending. The, it's three episodes. And in those three episodes that were, were an hour long each, they still didn't have enough time to tease the story out the way it should have been. So a piece of me, my hesitance to watch this was confirmed because it's, it did it kind of it still did not. Tease out the stories enough. I wanted to hear more from Cheyenne. I wanted to hear more ab- about... Where else do I want to hear more of? I wanted to hear more from the... How can I put it? I wanted to hear more from the NFL. We only heard what they had already recorded. I wanted to hear more. Not about the reactions of the players who were like, I thought I knew Aaron. No, I wanted to hear more culp- culpability or wanted them to be culpable. But of course, they're in the NFL and they make money. They're never going to take blame. But they, a lot of that blame is on them. They knew what they were getting in Aaron Hernandez. That's why he went fourth round, despite his first round talent, as the, the, min- the limited series said. Somebody in the limited series, he went fourth round, but he had first round talent. Why? Because he had a lot of baggage with him. What was that baggage? Everybody knew what that baggage was. The Patriots knew what that baggage was. And that so what? They took it on anyway. And sure enough, what did he do? He performed for them in the Super Bowl. Scored a game. Uh, scored a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right? Performed for them. You mean to tell me you didn't know what was brewing underneath him? Maybe you didn't know about the crime. Um... Maybe you didn't know, Ab- I, well, there was no way that at the time you could he could be connected to Abreu and uh, the Furtado double murder case, right? But you knew about the stuff in Florida. You knew that he had, following Ab- Abreu and Furtado's death, you knew that he, he was in an altercation. Um, maybe you didn't know about that, but I guess you knew... What was going on with him, especially since he came to you and asked following the altercation with the guy that he allegedly uh, shot in the face. But the guy never testified against him, except in his murder, except in the trial for against for a and um, for title's murder. Um, Where was I going with that? Oh, you knew the information had come out. You were following that case. So that was long gone at that point. Right. So he was well out of the league. But you mean to tell me that when he when Aaron Hernandez following, following that incident. Right. You didn't you didn't find it suspicious that Aaron was saying, I need to find another place. Somebody's trying to kill me. You didn't ask why. You didn't dig into the why. You didn't say, Aaron, what happened? What's going on? Tell me everything. Tell me everything. And even if you knew you asked him to tell you everything and you thought he told you everything, you didn't get investigators to look into the situation. That's what you do. You're the NFL. You protect your interests. Why does one of your interests now need a new place to stay and you get him one? You just going to get him one. No questions asked. You're not going to look into it. Of course, you're going to look into it. You're the NFL. Why did all those details come out in the trial that shouldn't have been news to anybody? You should have known, because you did know. But again, you were laying low. No conviction. We're just gonna let her ride. We, you knew what you got in Aaron Hernandez. You knew you got a, a person who was volatile. I'm just, I, I left the documentary. If you can't tell, I left it mad. I left it mad because not only was he not supported in, and being who he truly was, but he also didn't receive counseling or support at all for the trauma that he endured. He also did not seek, get justice, not truly for all of the trauma that he created, all the carnage that he left in his wake. And now he has a daughter and a significant other that, that are here, just here. And I read, I was in preparation for this. I looked up uh, Aaron Hernandez's Wikipedia page and went into his personal life, you know, just trying to see what was in his personal life. And it said that Cheyenne, basically, it came out in the court documents that, or in open court, that she knew the role that she needed to play. And she knew that Aaron was cheating on her, but she didn't know he was gay. And she knew him since she was in elementary school. They had they known each other since they were in elementary school. And I think she had an allegiance to him that made her kind of blind to things. And I also know that even though she knew how his father was and the trauma that he endured at the hands of his father, there are certain conversations you just cannot have with your spouse until that spouse is ready or until your significant other is ready. And I'll give you an example. My husband's father passed away Um, when he was very young, essentially in my husband's arms and it was not a violent end at all. He just passed away through health complications. And to this day, I know that my husband's reaction to certain situations is a direct. It's in relation to the loss of his father. But I don't have the language, the patience, and we don't have the counseling behind us or the tools in place to address the the why behind his reactions. I'm not ready to have that conversation with him. I'm just not. And this is me working in mental health and knowing more. I'm not a clinician, but I know more than most. And I'm telling you that there are certain conversations I'm not ready to have with my husband. I'm just I need to have the courage to have it myself. So when you hear that Cheyenne knew Aaron, they knew each other since they were in elementary school, and she played her role. She knew the role to play. she cooked, she cooked, she cleaned, she kept house, he cheated, he did other things is what that implied. But she, that she, she just played her role. I understand that, not in the same way that she's meaning it, but I understand that there are certain things that she just wasn't in a place to ever broach, ever really hit head on. And I know my, again, my example is not the best, but I don't have the courage to have that conversation with him because I don't want that. I don't know. I don't know what I want the other side of that to look like because I haven't done the work that I need to do. Do you know what I mean? So I can appreciate where she's coming from in that. What I can't appreciate is allowing her family, allowing her relationship with her sister to be torn apart because of it. That I, I that I don't understand. Um and I wanted to hear more from her. I wanted to know more about her sister, her that whole relationship. But again, it was three episodes. You weren't going to get super deep in three episodes. They got deep enough, but for three episodes, but not enough to do the story justice. We didn't learn more about him. And it makes me more sad. And it makes me more resolved that the NFL is just a business, just like the NBA, who just a sidebar, decided that the best way that they wanted to they decided to still play those games anyway, even though the players were all out in the court clearly broken up about Kobe Bryant, and they played anyway, and somehow tried to make it seem like that this that was the noble thing to do to play in his honor, right? So these are all businesses, they're heartless corporations, right? and I don't I'm a grown person. It shouldn't have taken me this long to get that, but I just know it more now, which is why I'm super fickle. Cause they don't care about the player. They don't maybe one or two people in the, within the organizations care, but the organizations themselves and these leagues themselves do not care about the player. They care about the money and the production that the player can put up or the money that these players can generate and the production that they put up. And so I just, I hurt for Cheyenne and I hurt for their daughter Because this is on the books forever. And she's going to have to come to terms with this. In 2017, how old was Cheyenne? three or four? It's 2020. She's not a teen yet, but it's coming. And what we know is between seven and nine, you know a lot more than you let on. You do. She's got a long road ahead. And I pray for the strength of her and her mother. Who we know since the release of this documentary, this miniseries, was yet again on TV defending the fact that she didn't know her spouse was gay. Again, I don't know that anybody could say that he was gay. And again, maybe it's true that he came out to his ex-girlfriend, as they allege, and his brother. Maybe he was bi. But that wasn't the thing that caused all of this. He also had a ton of trauma that you cannot ignore. NCTE which is part of the trauma. So, yeah, I don't know. This is all, a, this is a lot. This is a lot to take in. And that's why, so you can appreciate why I didn't want to talk about Bad Boys 3 at, at length because I still have feelings I need to work out through these in the NFL and I need to work out why I didn't dig more into Aaron's case, why I didn't dig more into why I why I'm not more critical. I'm not not more critical, but you get what I mean. Why don't we dig deeper? Why didn't I dig deeper in understanding? Why was I so quick to just write him off as this isolated monster? takes people to create a monster. Monsters don't create themselves. They're created. They're helped. They're nurtured. And in many ways, the football, the, co- the collegiate and the NFL football institutions helped nurture Aaron to be what he was. To turn out the way he was because they simply didn't help. They didn't. They coddled. They appeased. They didn't help. Your biggest red flag was that he literally needed another place to stay. And you wouldn't give them a transfer. That, sh- that should have been a red flag. You should have halted everything and gotten down to the bottom of it. What's going on with you? This is serious business. What's going on with you? They didn't do any of that. And you can't fake naivete. Your business is to know everything about your players. So I encourage you to watch the documentary. Again, it's not going to be super satisfying. As, as, it's not as satisfying as, the, as the, the folks who put it out think it was. It leaves more questions and answers for me. Um, but I definitely learned more than I knew than I ever thought I would know. And it left me wanting more and it left me also wanting more accountability. Um, yep. Um, yeah. So that's the show. I know it's kind of a downer. Um, but yeah, I think you should watch that mini series. It's very, it's important. Um, Yeah. And definitely, if you've already watched it, leave me a message. You can go right to the show notes and leave me a message about it. Um, And we can talk about it. It, Some things that stuck out to you about it. Other cases from your city, if you're in a if you're in the United States or or even if you're not in the United States, which, again, many of my listeners are of this show are from uh, Europe, um, certainly England. um, There's another country in there. Anyway, if, if soccer, excuse me, not soccer. Football, as you guys call it, Um, not American football, but football, as you guys call it. I know that there are cases out there just like maybe not like Aaron Hernandez, but there are certainly situations where it's clear those football clubs have kind of coddled and covered up bad behavior among some of their best and brightest stars. But they claim to be all about family. I I just want to know. I want to hear more about those. So yeah, leave me a message using the anchor.fm app. Again, you don't have to download a thing in the world. You can simply just click a link and click a button and you can leave me a message. Um, And while you're there, you know, if you want to contribute to the show in any way, um, you are able to donate. Even 99 cents will be a helpful contribution. But if donating isn't your thing, like I always say, just share this episode with somebody that you think might enjoy it or any episode with somebody that you think might enjoy it. That will help Expand the reach of this show. Um, leave me favorable ratings on all the places where you listen to the show Pocket Cast, Castbox, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Anchor, of course, Apple itself, uh, Player.fm. All the places where you listen to the show, leave me a favorable rating. Four or five stars, actually, five stars. Just leave me five stars. If you're going to leave me a rating, leave me five stars, please. Um, again, that'll help expand the footprint of the show. Get this into in, uh, in front of more people and help me keep doing what I do. All right. That's that for now. Um, thank you so much for listening. And until next time.